Hey, good morning. Did you guys uh, survive the all that food, all the turkey, all that stuff? Like, man. But <clears throat> let's open our Bibles, John chapter 16. We're going to carry on where we left off and see what God has for us. I think it's a kind of an exciting study myself. We, we talked last, uh, last week about truth and the spirit of truth and, you know, that that uh, there's a truth of the world, but there's the truth of the Lord and, and the truth of the Word of God and the Spirit of truth. He leads us into all truth. And as we follow, as we listen, as we open up the Word, the, the Spirit of truth will lead us into all truth. Not some weird, strange, wacky truth, but solid truth in the spiritual battle that we face. And so... You know, we need the truth more than anything. We need to, to know the truth about who God is. We need to know the truth about who we are as people, as human beings, and what God wants of us. Uh, put this up again because it's my favorite uh, scripture about this. Show me your ways. O Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. Isn't that awesome? That's a prayer of David. <clears throat> Today, what I want to talk about is grief to joy. And it's really in, in seeing Jesus is what it's talking about. So let's look at John 16. We'll start in verse 16. 16, 16. Jesus says, and he's speaking to his disciples, of course. Uh, and he says, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Some of his disciples, they said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while, you will see me no more? And then after a little while, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. And they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Obviously, there's something that keeps getting repeated in these verses. Can anybody tell me what that is? A little while, yeah. Who said that? Okay. Extra nothing. <laughs> a little while. He keeps saying it over and over again, this little while. And, and <clears throat> the word, the, the Greek word is like where we get our word for micro. It's micron, micron. And it, it means a little tiny little while. It's literally what it, what it means. But, you know, you and I, we, we see things differently than, than the way God sees them, right? Is that true? Because his ways are not our ways. And, and his timing is different than our timing. But, but Jesus said, Jesus is saying it right here. In a little while, you will not see me anymore. And then in a little while, you will see me. So... <clears throat> I'm reminded of that Psalm 13 where David says over and over again, it says, how long, O Lord, how long? Will you forget me? Will you, how long have I got to struggle through all this? How long, how long? Because that's kind of our perspective. How long is this little while going to be? We saw back in verse 6 that they were filled with grief because he said, I'm leaving you. They were upset about that. We're going to see more about this in a minute. But Jesus is basically trying to tell them that things will change. Things would change and, and that there is hope. 
I think there's something very powerful about hope. You know, it's, it's, you, it's, it's something that we have this confident expectation that something is coming. Something is going to happen, that the Lord is going to do something. And that, that kind of changes our whole perspective. So, but what does he mean here? They, they're saying to one another, what does he mean? They were troubled, they're confused. We don't understand. We don't understand what Jesus is trying to say. And, you know, I have to laugh about that. It's because how many times do we understand? And how difficult is it for him to get through to us sometimes and for us to understand what he's trying to say without the Spirit's help? And he, and he had just, you know, told them and, he, and he'd been telling them that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to teach you, he's going to help you. And I think that's where we begin to understand with the Holy Spirit's help. He begins to help us to, you know, sort through all these things. They didn't understand. They were grieved. They were upset and all these things. They were overwhelmed by the grief and the sorrow. But the thing is, did, did Jesus already tell them what was going to happen? He did. He said, he said to them, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to suffer, and three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. He had already told them that, but, but they, didn't like, they didn't like get it. But still, verse 19, it, it, it says there, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So they said to him, are you asking? So he said to them, excuse me, are you asking one another what I meant when I said? In a little while, you'll see me no more. And then after a little while, you'll see me. It's kind of funny. You know, they were asking each other, what does he mean? What did he say? When who should they have been asking? Him. Him, yeah. He said, you know, he saw they wanted to ask him, but they wouldn't. They didn't. They asked each other. And sometimes we're asking the wrong people for the answers. Jesus has the answers if we'll ask him. And I think that's what he's trying to, to say to them there. But look at verse 20. He says, and this is kind of the heart of the, the message this morning. He says, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Your grief will turn to joy. He says, I tell you the truth. And that's an interesting phrase because uh, we find Jesus says that a lot. And in different translations, some, some translate it verily, verily, and some translate it, you know, uh, I, I tell you the truth like this one here. Literally, does anybody know what those, the words are? Amen, amen, amen. Yes. Who said that? Who? Two for two. Oh, man. I'm going to have to get something. Let me find something. I've got anything in my pockets. Uh, cough drop or something. <laughs> it says, amen, amen. And, and 25 times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says those words, amen, amen. And it's very interesting. In the Blue Letter Bible, I found this. It says, the word amen is a most remarkable word. It, it was transliterated. Transliter it's, it's still Thanksgiving, you know. Transliterated directly from the Hebrew into the Greek of the New Testament, then into Latin and into English and many other languages, so that it is practically a universal word. See, it's, it's like everybody, you know, you say that and, and, and people understand. They understand that word. 
They say that it's been called the best-known word in human speech. Wow. We use it kind of at the end of our prayers, right? Amen. What does it mean? It means firm. It means faithful. It means true. And Jesus is saying, listen, I want to tell you something. You, you're all confused. You're all messed up. You're grieving. You know, you, you don't know what's going on. Yeah, you are going to have grief. But he says, I tell you the truth, something that's firm, that's strong, that's true, that's faithful, that you can take it all the way to the bank. He says things are going to change. And your grief that you experience is going to be changed to what? To joy. Your grief will be changed to joy. One interesting thing about this uh, word, though, that in the Gospel of John, uh, he says, Jesus says it two times in a row. The other gospel is just one. He, he just, they just quote that he said it once. John says, listen, he was really meaning this. He said it twice. What did he say? He said, you will weep and mourn. You will weep and mourn. You know, Mary Magdalene, when she had seen Jesus alive after he rose from the dead, he says she went and told those who had been with him. And she said they were mourning and weeping. Why? Because they thought it was all over. Jesus is gone. He's dead. It's over. And, and, and you know what? Life is like that too. He says you will weep and mourn. I don't know about you, but, but there are things in this life that hit us in that fashion that, that bring us to the place of, of mourning and weeping. It's not an easy life. It's not an easy world. Jesus never promised it that it would be. But he says, you will weep and mourn, but your grief will turn to joy that things will change. It goes on to say about what Mary Magdalene said that says when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. I was, I was wondering about that. Uh, we'll see later. They have a different reaction, but I was wondering if their grief kept them from hearing what she had to say. Sometimes grief is so overwhelming and, and sorrow and pain is so overwhelming. We can't even hear what, what people are saying and what Jesus is trying to say. Notice he said this, that the world would rejoice. Why would the world rejoice? Because they think, the world thought that they got rid of Jesus, right? They rejoiced because Jesus was dead. He's in the tomb. He's dead. But Jesus is going to turn things around, isn't he? Miraculous things are going to happen. And that's why this, this idea of grief being turned into joy is a miraculous thing. It's supernatural. But they thought they got rid of Jesus. And, and in, the, in the book of Revelation, how many of you remember there's, there's two witnesses, the, the two witnesses in there? You know, they persecuted them. They were, they were incredible, but they, they killed them. They killed these two witnesses. And it says that when they did that, it says the people, they rejoiced and they celebrated and they sent presents to one another. That's the kind of thing that happened when, when the world thought, we've gotten rid of him. Satan, you know, was, was triumphant. But, but you know what? It's not that way at all, is it? That's where hope comes in. That's where our trusting in God. He says, you will grieve, and, and there's no way around it. But he says, your grief will turn to joy. Your grief will turn to joy. Look at verse 20 again. 
He says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. When would that happen? Does anybody know? When would be the turning point from the grief to joy in this context? He said it. When? More specifically, when would the grief turn into joy? He said it. When they see him. Yeah, you, can, you can just, the, the clue's right on the screen here for you. <laughs> when they see him, that's when the, the, the change would take place, you see. He says it. He says it in the early verses. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. He said it. You're going to see me. Later in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, uh, Jesus came and, and, you know, he was in the, the upper room with them. And, he, and he, it says he showed them his hands and his side. And it says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They, you know, they didn't believe Mary Magdalene. But when they saw Jesus, it says the joy just kind of like completely took over. That grief that they were feeling was completely changed into joy. When? When they saw Jesus. When they saw Jesus. Verse 21, we're going to come back to that, but in verse 21 it says, A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. That's crazy, huh? That's radical. Things would change. He gives this example of a woman in labor from from pain to joy, this transformation that, that would take place. Now, I have heard, and I don't know this personally, but I have heard that it's one of the hardest pains to bear in life. Can anybody confirm that fact here? You know... It's, it's difficult, it's hard, but after the birth, it says, Jesus said she forgets the anguish, it, it all gets put aside because of the joy of seeing that little critter. <laughs> Warren Wearsby said the same baby that caused the pain also caused the joy. Wow. We don't look at it that way, the stuff that we're grieving about and the stuff that's causing all this pain. We don't see, like, how can that ever turn into anything good? But Jesus was talking about his leaving and his being crucified and his death. That, that, that caused them so much pain and grief and joy, but he says that's going to cause you great joy when you see him again. That's why I think the writer of the Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And notice this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus showed us the way and he he even had that example in his own life where he knew that the joy was yet to come, but he had to go through the cross. Again, hope, this power of hope that, that the grief that we face, that there's joy, that, that Jesus can turn it into joy when we see him, when we fix our eyes on him. 
and, and how he's going to use it, how he's going to make something good come out of something that seems so bad. Verse 22, he says, so with you. So with you. It's the same with you. He said, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice. And I like this, and no one will take away your joy. Now is your time of grief. You're in this time of grief, this pain, sorrow, suffering. He says, but, but I will see you again. You will see me again, and you will rejoice. This, this change will take place. When you see him, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So let's get back to this idea about, about in a little while. Because I think we, we need to dissect that a little bit. He says, in a little while, in a little while, you're not going to see me. And then after a little while, you will see me. So the question is when? Again, how long is it going to take? When will we see you again? They really didn't get this yet, but I think we now, we have the advantage of, of seeing the whole picture, the big picture here, and we can say, well, what, what was he talking about there? And there really are a number of different uh, answers to this question. I think the first answer is what? After the resurrection, right? The first, the first answer is after the resurrection. We see that here. You know, it was going to be just a short while. And how long was that? How long was that? Three days. Only three days. I, I man, you know, I wish that some of the stuff that we, that we face would only be three days. If I knew it was only going to be three days. Well, they did know. He told them that they completely forgot. Like, that was like out of their minds. It's only going to be three days. And they would see him again. I think that's, I think that's the first context here in these, in these verses. The first answer that, that Jesus was going to leave them. But after three days, he, they, they were going to see him again. And, and they, as I said, they were overjoyed when they did see him. But there's something else in here too. What, anybody see it? How about, uh, I'll point it out to you in uh, verse, where is it? Um, verse 17, at the end, he says, and because I am going to the Father. He says, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a while you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father. So there, there's something else in there too, and, and he's been saying that about sending what? The Holy Spirit, right? He says that the sending of the Spirit, because he had said to them, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. He says, I will come to you. And he's speaking about in the coming of the, of the Holy Spirit that, that, that we'll, we'll have Jesus. Now, how long did that take? Seven weeks. It was actually 40 days. Seven weeks is close, but no cigar. You know, 40 days, that's a long time. That's like over a month I got to wait. Because 
you, you know, 40 days, 40 days, now that's from when Jesus ascended, right? 40 days from when he ascended before the Holy Spirit, for the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came. Well, that's a long time. You know, Jesus, they were, they were completely overjoyed. Jesus is there. He's with them. They're like hanging out again. And it's like powerful. And, they're, they're, and then, but he's going to leave. He's going to leave them again and, and, and not come back this time physically. Well, at least not yet. Forty days. But you and I, again, we're on the other side of that. The 40 days has already happened, and the Holy Spirit has already come. So for you and I, we today, we can say we have Jesus with us. And we can look to him. We can't see him physically, but spiritually, we can look unto Jesus. That's why I put that verse on the screen. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's where the joy is going to come from. Because so often, you know, you and I, we, we, we're, fi- we're fixated on the grief and the pain and whatever it is that's causing that. And it's not until we fix our eyes on Jesus that we have that hope and we have that joy that comes across. Thirdly, there's a third one. What is it? His second coming, right? He's going to return. And... Hebrews also says in chapter 10, he says in in just, he said, you need to persevere. You need to do the will of God. You will receive what's promised. He promised, he says, for in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. So again, he says in a little while, he's going to return. And you'll be able to see him literally, physically. Now, how long is that going to take? A little bit longer than three days or 40 days, right? How long? We don't know how long. How long has it been already? 2,000 plus years, right? We don't know when that's going to take place, but it's going to happen. And that's why Peter says, you know, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So this little while, even these trials that we face now, when Jesus, you know, he's, he's going to return, he will. And how about the last one? There's, some, there's another one. Anybody guess what it is? When we die. When we go to heaven. When we die and when we go to heaven. Why do I say that? Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, Now, literally now, we see but a poor reflection. The King James Version says we see as through a glass darkly. Kind of like a foggy glass we're looking through or a mirror that's kind of all fogged up. You can kind of see what's there. He says, but then we shall see face to face. Then we're going to see him face to face. And, and now we, we, we see him. Yes, we do. But we don't, we don't get the full impact, the full picture, the full you know, appreciation of who he is. But we will. We will. Sometimes that encouragement, sometimes that's the hope that we hold on to. Jesus, I, I, I see you now, but this is so difficult. This is so hard. But, but I know. 
I know that my confident expectation, my hope is, is in heaven, that, that my, I, have a, I have a place prepared for me. My citizenship is in heaven, that I'm going there. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And so that's my, that's my hope. That's my joy that I'm looking forward to. The, the joy that was set before me endured the cross. The joy that you and I know that we're going to see him face to face. But you know what? In all cases, all four of those cases, what's the result? Joy. Joy. In all the cases, that's what you and I have to look forward to. And no matter what goes on, no matter what, what happens, joy. He says a joy that cannot be taken away. And that joy is found where? In seeing Jesus. Matthew Henry, again, one of my favorite old guys. He said, believers have joy or sorrow according as they have or have not a sight of Christ. Wow. Again, fixing our eyes on Jesus, that's, where, that's what it's all about. It doesn't necessarily mean that the, the stuff in our lives that it, that, that's creating the grief and the sorrow and the pain is going to go away. But we can have joy in the middle of it and, and be transformed. How long is it going to be? You know, we have lots of different situations. We have even different levels of joy, I think. And, and how long in each situation is different. But the answer is Jesus. You know, when Jesus came and you remember he came into the synagogue and, and, uh, and they, they gave him the scroll to read, right? He was like a visiting teacher and they gave him the scroll. What, what was the scroll? Anybody remember? Isaiah 61, he says, you know, the, the Spirit of the Lord is, a, is upon me and, he, and, and to do all these different things. And, but one of the things in there is that, that there would be oil of joy for mourning. The oil of joy for mourning. He, he went ahead and said then, you know, it, these things are, are, are fulfilled in your very eyes and your very presence. David says this, Many are asking, who can show us any good? He says, let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. Who can show us any good? It's difficult. It's hard. You know, are we ever going to see anything good? And, and what does he say? He says, let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. And that's where the joy comes in. What did Jesus say? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Psalm 126, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Psalm 30, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing or joy comes in the morning. You see, there's this transformation that takes place. That's what I'm trying to, trying to get across to you today, that, that grief may be real for you right now, but, but keep your eyes and, and turn your eyes unto Jesus because that's where the joy is going to be, even in the middle of it. And he can transform it and turn it around. Later in Psalm 30, he says, You turned my wailing into dancing. 
You removed my sackcloth. And that's what, you know, this rough cloth they would put on kind of to mourn in. He said, you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. That's powerful, isn't it? I think you got the message. Did you get the message? Do you get the point I'm trying to make here? And the point is what? Grief to joy. From grief to joy. And and it happens when we keep our eyes on Jesus, when we see him, when we look to him. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's so powerful. It's living. It's active. It can speak. It can reach into our hearts and lives and even in the middle of the grief, the pain and the sorrow that we certainly do face in this world that you can give us joy. You can transform, you can turn it into joy. You can take us from grief to joy as we keep our eyes on your son Jesus. Thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit. That he would testify about Jesus, your son. That he would point us to Jesus, your son. And and that's where the answers are in this life. It's not anywhere else. It's not looking to psychology or psychiatry or some kind of worldly uh, answers. The answers are, are found in Jesus. It's not the latest book on the shelf, but it's Jesus, the truth. This is the truth. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Father, I pray for your people here today. Maybe some are facing grief and sorrow or pain, or or maybe they will be. And, And I know that it's true that if we're not facing something now, we will in the future, or we have in the past. But you're there for us. You're there for us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And and you can give us the peace and the joy, your joy, your peace that we so desperately need. Meet your people, Lord, I pray. Jesus, reveal your love to them, for them, in them. I pray too, Lord, as we close for any maybe that need Jesus uh, in your life. Maybe you are lost without him and you, you have no joy. You have no hope. You have no love. Well, Jesus is the answer for you. He died on the cross to pay for your sin, for my sin. And he rose from the dead three days later that, that we could know life and love and joy. So just ask him in. Say, Jesus, please, please come into my heart. Please come into my life. I need you. I receive you. I believe in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?